Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Good Lincoln. Come on, it's 6 o'clock. Rise and shine. Rise and shine. It's time for Early Break with Sip and Jake. Brought to you by Gaina Trucking. Live from the Koppel Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. Here's 93.7 at tickets, Jake Sorensen. Did seem kind of meh. And Steve Sipple. Surprisingly good. This is Early Break with Sip and Jake. Sponsored by Gaina Trucking. Welcome back to Hour 2 on a Wednesday. Steve Sipple, Jake Sorensen, Bill Bush on Early Break Fun Show. So far as you got the podcast at theticketfm.com. Appreciate all your phone calls. Text 402-464-5685. Without further ado, we had a conversation yesterday on these airwaves, Bill, regarding potential rule changes in college football to speed the game up and also for safety concerns also. And the guy that reported that, is on the line, Ross Dellinger of SI.com. Good morning, Ross. We were talking about these four different rules in play uh, that were brought up by college football executives. And the one that we really glommed on to was potentially having a running clock after incomplete passes. Uh, can you explain any sort of reason why that would be brought up in a conversation, Ross? Yeah. Uh, uh, well, it's, it's just one of four proposals, I think it's certainly the most controversial of this group of proposals right now, and, and it'll be one that uh, I think we'll see quite a bit of debate next week in the in the committee room, um, because there is, uh, there is some split and there is some division uh, on that one. You know, all the other proposals really just align with what the NFL does, um, but this one does not, right? This one's a little... Uh, a little, uh, uh, like I said, uh, a, a little more significant and impactful to the game and would potentially change the offensive game. Um, and so uh, I, I think the first three, which is a back-to-back, you know, prohibiting back-to-back timeouts and the untimed, no untimed downs after the first and third quarter uh-huh. after defensive penalties in the first down, 
stuff, uh, you know, running the clock after a first down. I think those three are, are on the path to passing, but this one is uh, a little more tricky. Ross, uh, Bill Bush here. Obviously, we have a, a very good friendship and, and just uh, so impressed with your career and, and obviously being with Sports Illustrated. Now, uh, it's just me and Sipple were talking about this the other day about the excitement about back in the day when Sports Illustrated magazine showed up. On It was just like Xanadu when that happened. So what you've done with your career is amazing. Obviously, I, uh, me and Ross have something in common that both of our dads were high school football coaches. Oh, at that. So, so okay. Ross's career, how we how we took this thing over, and I've always felt you know, not felt you are you're a boots on the ground type of person because the last time we were talking and texting, you were right outside of the door of the vote that was going on that was going to be talked about the coaching <laughs> staff. Remember that? Which tells me, yes, again, indeed. Which tells me again, it's boots on the ground. Could you explain? Ross, to the people exactly how the coaching staffs could could ex- where they were talking about expanding to let analysts coach on the field, and then where that stands now. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. There was a um, there was a proposal um, basically from from the uh, kind of the NCAA competition committee, and it rose through the ranks to the football oversight committee, which makes a lot of football rules and passes a lot of football rules. And um, they had a recommendation that they sent to the Division One Council. I don't know all these NCAA governance terms can get confusing, but the Division One Council basically is the right now the authoritative council, um, and so they make decisions based on recommendations from the committees underneath them, which one includes again the football oversight. And so they recommended that that um, uh, basically uh, analysts and support staff members. Um, can can be hands on and, and can coach, um, you know. And right now, we all know that uh, that is against the rules. That uh, the eleven coaches, full time coaches, ten assistants, and one head coach, are the only ones that can really hands on coach players and support staff and analysts can do film work and all that stuff and uh, scouting, but can't really are not supposed to be hands on now. Um, you know, I think uh, Bill knows as well as I do that there are plenty of schools out there that have analysts and support staff members who do coach. Um, it's not supposed to happen, but it does. And it's really hard for the NCAA police to police it. And I think part of the reason this was proposed is the NCAA doesn't have to wor- worry about policing it anymore. Right. And so they can, they can take the handcuffs off of uh, – these analysts and support staff and, and just let them legally hands on coach. Um, now they can't recruit, they wouldn't be able to recruit in the proposal. They wouldn't be able to recruit off campus. That would still be the 11 coaches, but they'd be able to coach. Now you were talking about how I was outside that room right about a month ago at the NCAA convention, the D one council took up that recommendation and did not pass it, which oh. is fairly unusual. Um, yeah, fairly unusual, actually, the D1 Council to reject a recommendation. However, uh-huh. we are going to probably see that recommendation come back. And, and so it got sent down to the football oversight for some, what I was told, language tweaking. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's supposed to be sent back up probably in April uh-huh. at the D1 Council meeting. And I would expect it to pass then. I think from what I understand, the issue was uh-huh. lang- the actual language in the legislation, 
Uh, there were some concerns from D1 council members. So I still think it probably does get through, but uh, we'll see come April. That's great information. Excellent, excellent off-season talk here from Ross Dellinger of Sports Illustrated. Ross, isn't this mainly a matter of a level playing field because there are some schools, I mean, think Toledo versus Alabama in this discussion. Toledo just doesn't have the money to have all these analysts and all these guys with strange, strange names attached to the titles, strange titles versus Alabama can send out 50 guys out there to coach. Is that what we're talking about? Is that the hesitancy of some people just because it's not a level playing field or am I off base? Yeah, I mean that's that's probably a really big concern for for some folks in the D1 council, especially those that um, do work in the group of five. You know, D1 council is made up of, um, I think it's around thirty or thirty-five people, and there each of the each conference basically is represented. So each level is represented, and I think there's a lot of people in there from the the group of five uh, conferences that. Um, are uh, in, in the FCS conferences that are not fond of this because we all know what this means. If if you don't already have a stack support staff or analyst group, um, coaches will will get there if they can now be hands on and coach. So um, you'll have a offensive line coach, and you'll also have an assistant offensive line coach, and you also have an assistant to the assistant of the offensive line coach, right? And so we'll probably see. A lot of that, um, and it will further the gap mm-hmm. between the the not even the power five and the group of five, uh, but really the top fifteen to twenty in the power five. And mm-hmm. we've seen that group in a lot of ways because of money uh, kind of break off a little bit mm-hmm. and and spend a lot more. And so, yeah, the equity in legislating equity mm-hmm. the NCAA's tried to legislate equity with rules for years and what they're seeing is that some of this legislation uh, violates antitrust law and um and they're trying to get free of that and the austin ruling from the supreme court a year and a half ago was behind a lot of these changes okay from Ross Dellinger, SI.com. Regarding uh, some new faces this year in college football, Ross, there's a, new, a big one at Colorado in Deion Sanders' prime time, uh, making his debut. It, it, there, Jackson State, good run, now at Colorado in the Pac-12. I'm curious, do you think it will work out for Deion at Colorado, or are you hesitant about what that looks like for him with the Buffaloes? Well, I, you know, when Deion took the um, Jackson State job, and I, I've got a history there, I, I was a Jackson State beat writer back in 2010, 2011. Wow. I covered oh. that program hmm. huh. uh, based in, in Jackson. And uh, yeah, I was uh, basically about three, four years out of college. And so that was um, kind of my early going there. And when he took over there, I, uh, you know, I knew about the situation financially with Jackson State and the SWAC and the facility situation and the lack of resources. It's pretty bad, um, and I figured there's well one. I thought, what the heck is Deion Sanders doing uh, mm-hmm. taking this job? And then I thought, there's no way he's going to win here. Um, and lo and behold, right? I I he proved me wrong, and um, and he's already, and he proved me wrong by I think marketing the school in a way that it's probably never been marketed. Um, 
and he, he proved me wrong by, by hiring some, you know, surrounding himself by some good assistants and um, having the ability to recruit players like he has. Uh, and that's that's how he's done it. As they say, Bill, right, the, the Jimmy Jim, and Joes, right, they're are more important than the X's yeah. and O's. And I think that he's getting the Jimmys and the Joes at Jackson State, and, and he had better players than any other SWAC team now. He's already started to get the Jimmy and Joes quite a bit at uh, Colorado. It looks like in the um, the Buffaloes seem to be rolling quite nicely. The thing is, is he he won't be um, far and above talent wise Pac-12 schools. You know, like he was at Jackson State. Uh, he was he was head, of, head above everybody when it came to talent. So that's the only kind of concern that I have is that he, he won't have that talent gap. He will get more talented players than Colorado's seen in a while, but he won't have that talent gap. That said, you know, I, I mean, winning seven, eight games at Colorado is, is still a success, and it seems like he has the talent that should be able to do that. Okay, let's just keep this simple, Ross Dellinger of Sports Illustrated. No uh, off-season rule questions or anything like that. No councils. I just want you to give. I just want you to give Nebraska's hire of Matt Rule a grade, a grade, A, B, C, D. You can put pluses and minuses if you want. What's your grade of Nebraska's hire of Matt Rule and why? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well, I think, you know, I, I think that a lot of people... Probably, if you ask them November one, um, if you ask them who's the uh, the biggest uh, name in the in the coaching head coaching pool um, for this cycle, this college football cycle, I think the majority of people would have, would have told you that 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 number one name is is Matt Rule, mm-hmm. um, and and so I think in a lot of ways Nebraska got the number one quote, you know, number one pick in, in the pool uh, for this coaching cycle. Um, Matt has built two college programs and done it fairly quickly, quickly within, within about three years at Temple and then, and then at Baylor. I, I visited him and spent a whole day with his staff at Baylor um, his last year there when they were really rolling. I think I, I visited there when they were undefeated. They were like – Seven, eight, no, or something like that, and and it's imp- it was impressive. It was it was an impressive kind of culture and, and the team and players and uh, how he he had everybody on the same page. Um, and so I I think that they made a hire that a, a lot of people you know would certainly grade as yeah. arguably the best of this cycle. Mm, and I, and I think he the, the only one. And and you'd look at some that are that are right up there, right? I think probably a lot of people would. Would say that Luke Fickle's hire at Wisconsin was was right up there uh, with it, and maybe even you'd get some people to say that Hugh Freeze's hire, especially fit wise at Auburn, um, you know, made a lot of sense and was right up there. But certainly, um, I think I think you know 
Nebraska in the end got their guy. It sounds like it took a few times um, to, to go back to Matt a, a couple different times to try to convince him in, in whatever way, whether it be the contract stuff or, or whatnot. Uh, but they, in the end, it, it seems like they got the guy that they were focused on in the beginning. Um, and, uh, yeah, very, uh, I would say, a, a pretty dang successful and uh, certainly splashy hire. I, I look forward to seeing how they'll, how they'll do. Okay, outstanding. Uh, Ross, real quick, Bill Bush here again. Um, I don't know if people know this, but Ross is calling from Washington, D.C. Did not know that. That, that, mm. that. He's basically the president's right-hand man, how I see it. From where he lives, he's not <laughs> oh, that wow. far away from the White House, so he is he is right there and able to go. Well, so He so, can help that president. Yeah, he, he, he's very, he, he's, he does a lot of stuff. Also, we went political here, Ross. We, we tried to stay away from gambling and politics, but uh, Sipple threw that one out there, so we're trying to – now we've got a whole new, oh, whole new game here. No, we don't. A whole new game here. We don't have a whole – Look out, Bill. Look, Look out. out. That's what I've got. And, I, and I'm, I'm inexperienced at this stuff, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to go through I'm the waters here. Yeah, you're doing well, Bill. Real uh, quickly, not quickly, but just, just give us a brief synopsis of what you think how this is going to unfold for us? Where is anything major changing, or what's going to happen this year as we're leading into the playoffs? What do you think? How do you feel things? How this playoff, the twelve team playoff, is 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 going to be ready to go in one year? Hmm. Yeah, well, it's uh, you know, it's interesting because everything kind of um, aligns with uh, with twenty twenty four. You know, the, the SEC will hmm. expand with Texas and Oklahoma, the Big Ten. We'll get um, we'll get USC and UCLA in twenty four. The the new media rights deals from a couple leagues kick in, or about four leagues kick in in twenty four, and then you got the playoff expansion in twenty four. So twenty twenty four looms as a really um, significant season in college football, um, and I think the 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 biggest thing we're watching right now as far as you know the expansion of the college football playoff which will happen that season as well is um what what happens with all the additional money that is coming from this expanded playoff which is a lot of money uh it's a billion probably a billion dollar right now the playoff get garners about 600 million the 14 playoff they're looking at 1.5 to 2 billion dollars for 12-team playoffs, and, you know, Bill, you just kind of in this thing in, in, as a coach on the ground level, and you know what's going on with NIL and college athletes' rights, and it's going to be really interesting to see um, how that money, new money um, is distributed to leagues, conferences, schools, and um, players, and, and it, it, it'll be Interesting to watch as we move forward because over the summer, or by the end of the summer probably, the college commissioners will have probably decided on how to distribute that money. And um, and you mentioned I was in D.C. You know, there's obviously a lot going on here with discussions of college athlete bill and rights and yep. NIL and NIL bill and, and stuff like that. And, you know, their Senator Tuberville from Alabama seems to be drafting something. Um, I just, you know, I, I don't have faith uh, in in much uh, when it comes to congressional movement. They, it moves extraordinarily slow, and it's mm. been four years of them talking about a college athlete bill, and we've seen not one get to the floor. So 
I don't know that Congress is the answer. Um, college football is going to need uh, to figure out something here in the way of revenue distribution or distribution to athletes uh, at some point. And, and it starts probably with that playoff money. It'll be interesting to watch that uh, going forward. Great. Ross, uh, wonderful insight. Thank you for all the stuff this morning. We will chat with you again down the road. All right, guys. See y'all. Great job. Awesome. Dellinger, SI. Oh, man. There's a Washington, lot. D.C. There's a, there's a lot to break down in that interview. Tons. But one thing that really now, – now, Jake, you can come at me on this. Bill, I guess you come could. Come at you how? On this, on this matter. to say something first for we know if we come out here. Getting – get, true. Frost being targeted for using analyst and – Oh, whatever GA as coaching on the field that was a that was a that was ridiculous and the reaction around here was largely ridiculous people acting like he committed some major violation that was ridiculous I'm sorry you think Nebraska fans acted like that some did I mean I immediately wrote my God really are we doing this this is ridiculous I, I can't speak on it because I wasn't here for at that time when whenever the violation mm-hmm. took so I can't speak for it at all but I'll say this the general feeling of any college coach assistant coach and I'm not speaking for every head coach but in general you're not talking about well this is crap because so and so I know they've got analysts that are coaching nobody cares right nobody cares it's like it's like one of those right. things that just there's people doing things or there people are right. talking on the field no one cares Thank no you. one's like you know, like why'd you lose also when there's this talk about Thank the assistant you. has the assistant has the assistant I think that's crap now Ross was right but what I think is crap about it is like I'm running my meeting I don't, I don't know they're, they're, this isn't like a bunch of guys hey what do you think back there right. shut up I got it I got <laughs> I got this meeting all right that's and that's how we're going to run it so having but, more is not better it's mm. not like having 60 coaches is going to make okay. you better that does right. not make you better all right thank having you having a couple assistants that can run some drills for you when you split up that's how it gets better thank you Bill now here's here's where I'm okay go back to I know we're jumping around a little bit go back to the scene where Albert's and Scott, Trev Alberts. Yeah, Trev and Scott were standing at the podium after this all came out. After this, oh, yeah. NCA violations came out, and remember how how disgusted Frost looked. He did. Now, when you think about it, of course he was disgusted. We're we're all you know. There's 50 media members there, you know, and it's like a big to do, and his boss is standing by him. And and think about what Bill just said. Nobody gives a damn about it in college football. I didn't give a damn about it. He had some analyst coaching, and people were waggling their finger at Frost. It was ridiculous. The whole scene was disgusting. Am I wrong? You're not wrong, but people glom onto negative news. Yeah, they, they, Am they, I wrong? They tried to make it. Am I being deal. obnoxious? I, like I said, I I don't have knowledge of that scenario it was, I, I was, thought it was ridiculous it was ridiculous I, we both I'm just saying it was in ridiculous. general no one it was over the top no one walks around if you're not when I was at uh, Wisconsin or LSU or whatever I didn't walk around and see someone from Auburn and go hey I heard you guys got analysts on oh, the field God. we didn't even talk about that it's like whatever we got yeah, our I own mean, problem the boss is standing there with a right. big suit on and here's Frost getting yeah. you know we're making a He's big like, deal of stupid. it it, it right. was stupid yeah it was ridiculous and I'm sure what was going through his mind is are we we're, are we really doing this? This is seriously happening. Yeah, but remember really? that. But that came down from the NCAA. It wasn't that. No, it came so, down from the NCAA. You're so, right. So, so the response was from the NCAA. It wasn't that. That's where the response had to come from. They're the ones that that handed out penalties. So it wasn't. This wasn't self-imposed from inside. I'd have to look at that a little bit. Regardless, I think the reaction from the fans was again. There was two responses. Some were saying, "Oh, wow, what are we doing here?" But most were saying, "Seriously." Yeah, I think this is a big. I hope this is a big what, deal. I, I think that was the majority okay. response. Was seriously. Okay. All right. I hope you're right. But 
Uh, speaking of guests, we had Ross Dellinger on. You want to let him know, Bill, who do we have on tomorrow at six thirty? That you've lined up. You've, you've been on the phone. We, we have we have a we have a former outstanding black shirt is going to be on the program at six twenty five or six thirty. Yes, right there uh, from calling from the state of Ohio, originally from the state of Mississippi. Uh, Jimmy Burrow will be on that. That's Joe Burrow's dad, and uh, Jimmy played here in in the seventies. Great player, like I said former black shirt. So look forward to having him Jamie on. Burrow's dad. Yeah, and so I and yes. another Burrow, um, Jamie Burrow, and there's another Burrow that played for. Oh, this is embarrassing. There was yeah. two boys that played for yeah, Nebraska. Name it. Oh, you got it. No, oh, I got it. Of course okay. he knows it. Yeah. Okay, Jamie. This is your trivia. No, I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you try to get okay, this. Okay, Jamie. Burrow was a middle linebacker, and he started on the team that played Miami in the Rose Bowl. Yep. He was their leading tackler, actually. And his brother, Jamie and um, – Dan? Dan. That's, that's Raph. Sorry. Raph. Dan Dan Raph. Dan Raph. I was waiting. It's Raph. Dan Raph. Was, Raph has Dan, my back routinely. Dan, Dan was a huge part, and Jamie was too, but Dan was a huge part in the recruiting of Joe – to LSU because I coached Dan here. I didn't coach Jamie, obviously a great player. Friends with you Jamie now. Here. I coached Dan here. And so I was talking to him as I was on the campus at Eastern Arizona in Thatcher, Arizona, which is in the middle of nowhere, Arizona, out in the quad of a, of a um, of the uh, of the dorms to, to, oh, to mm-hmm. talk to him about getting Joe to come to LSU. Oh, this is awesome. So this is this is going to happen, Jimmy. Burrow tomorrow. Tomorrow at yeah. six twenty-five. So we can so. talk about some Husker football, some days of past, the recruitment of of uh, of Joe. I'm sure he'll have some insight because I know that you guys have mentioned before that Joe was recruited here, and so <laughs> yeah. you guys can have some yeah. insight on many, that many times. That was, that was awesome how you left me to hang out to dry. Yeah, well, I when I couldn't wait. remember yeah. the name of Jamie's brother, yeah. Dan. I thought you didn't know, and I'm like, Dan, okay, uh, we're in a big also, trouble. Real, real, real quick here, yeah. Dan met his 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 wife right now. They're married. At the Auburn game, when we came back and Joe had a had a fourth uh, fourth quarter like eighty yard drive to kick the field goal to beat Auburn at Auburn, he met his his future wife at that game. Wow, All another great story. Yeah. Touchdowns everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. When we come back, hey, the preseason number one team in college basketball is on the verge of missing the big dance. How can oh, we babe, be so wrong about teams? That's next on early break in the ticket. unbelievable story. Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. 